Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And tonight, get ready for another music episode as we cover music episode six. Kick off your shoes, sit in your easy chair, relax, listen to these beats, listen to these melodies, and get ready to enjoy this list curated by Justine. I'm Mitch. I'm Mer. I'm Justine. <laughs> I like that you said it twice. I'm Jonathan. Ha. <laughs> huh. Say it with your chest next time, bitch. Holy shit. <laughs> that was fucking livid. You're ready. <laughs> Sometimes I'm feeling kooky. Kooky. We're feeling all kooky. Oh, you silly goose. Yeah. <laughs> well, once again, once again, we're back. We got music to talk about. Justine's got a playlist she created. It's going to be on the link tree. You know, because we cover horror in media, and media spans more than just movies. Does it? No, I'm just kidding. It does. It does. Does it, though? (laughs) That's funny. All right, so this is part two of my music episode, and we're kicking it off strong with Psycho Killer by The Talking Heads. Let's take a listen. I feel like everyone's heard this song at least at some point. And if you don't, Absolutely. you probably live under a fucking rock. <laughs> All the cool kids have heard this song. <laughs> I want to say that this song is probably one of the Talking Heads' most like yeah. notable songs that they've released, as well as popular songs. Um, this song was initially played live in 1975, and then a few years later in 77, it was released on their album, Talking Heads 77. Which I think is their first album as well. It was their debut collection of swongs. Yeah, Talking Heads is badass. I really like Remain in Light. That fucking album's sweet. Mm. But Talking Heads is one of those bands that you always see t-shirts of or like you see their records at like every record store. They always got the <laughs> That's true, huh? You the really newest, can't find it the everywhere. The newest repress always. But um, they're like... They're a pretty well established band from the seventies and everyone knows about them. Yeah, I check can't out name this them avant garde new wave shit. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Dude, those guys go off. So, you know, something that was striking me about this song is is he the psycho killer? Yeah, right. Or is he just like shit. oh shit, there's a psycho killer over there. Run away from it. Or is it run away from me? It's so poppy for a like really dark theme. <laughs> well, you know, they didn't really specify exactly what their inspiration was for this yeah. song. There were a couple speculations, but it does seem that this song is being written from the perspective of a psycho killer. Because <laughs> I, I, I feel like I don't know for sure, but serial killers don't exactly know that they're like insane, basically. And so one of the main lines, psycho killer, qu'est-ce que c'est? And is what is that or what is it? So it's like, psycho killer, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Oh. That's not me. I'm just a regular old dude. Dang. So he's gaslighting. He <laughs> is. High like, key. High, high key, a gaslighter. I just kill hookers in my off time, you know? Oh, but what's a psycho killer? But uh, one thing, when this song was released, a lot of people actually thought that they were inspired by the Son of Sam killings. And so the Son of Sam, for those who don't know, was a serial killer in New York City. Um, David Berkowitz was his actual name. And 
the he went on a killing spree uh shooting a bunch of people this happened around uh 76 so actually a year after the song officially like debuted on stage um but berkowitz went around killing a bunch of people with a 44 caliber and he claims that he was being um persuaded or demanded by a demon that came to him in the form of a dog kind of wild <laughs> Uh, also, if you've never seen this guy, go look up a photo. He's the weirdest looking motherfucker. <laughs> I have a photo up right now just showing everybody. <laughs> that is a weird looking guy. He looks like his face is made out of clay. He looks like lopsided. Yeah, like it looks very lopsided. Like Dude looks like around. he needs some sunlight. <laughs> like, holy shit. Uh, yeah, he needs some vitamin go, go look up some interviews or like recordings of him. That guy was fucking insane. Uh, this music has like a, a pounding bass line as well as just some really catchy hooks. Like... Uh, even if you don't know the Talking Heads, you know the. I want to say that this song was used in quite a few movie soundtracks, especially uh, when regarding yeah, to some I sort of to, murderer. I have to look into which ones were used. Also, weren't they recent? Well, not recently, but like in the 2000s, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They should. Oh, 2002. From <laughs> we we got a, we got it called out by a, a listener who is here with us, which is pretty dope. Yes, our live you. studio. Yeah, audience. right. Live <laughs> studio audience. Yes. Hello, Noah. So officially, uh, I mean, whether or not you place value on being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is up to you, but because <laughs> it's kind of bullshit. But it's kind of <laughs> subjective. Just yeah. like the Grammys are absolute yeah, bullshit. Exactly. But essentially what I'm getting at is that they are like they were significant to the creation of this type of music. And so that's why they're so popular. Yeah, the genre that's equated with the Talking Heads is new wave and funk rock. Got a lot of uh, from Parliament, right? They had influences from Parliament, like Funkadelic. Yep. <laughs> so like that was like their main thing. And then um, I think they even mentioned that they were influenced by Fela Kuti. Kunti? I forget how to say the last name. Are they from the UK? Uh, I don't know, actually. No, they're New York, I thought. New York? Okay. Yeah. yeah, they're New York-based. They were like art students yeah. <laughs> who I got know, into the punk scene. I know for a fact, off of Remain Light, they went like full crazy, and they were just like, we need bongos on this shit. <laughs> we need like seven or eight singers. We need to just go all out. I love that. <laughs> but yeah. Fuck. It's about that psycho killer. Now I want fa. We took a turn. You know, I'm going to be pissed if there's not a restaurant somewhere that releases a commercial and doesn't use this song. I don't know. I feel like fa places don't really do commercials. I mean, a fa place where it's just fa, 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 and it's just showing you multiple bowls of fa every fa. Good luck trying to get the rights to that song to be able to put it in something. I mean, it's been long enough. Soon it's going to be in the public domain. No, it's like 100 years for some songs seriously yeah serious wow like 75 or no something like, like music for sure is like close to 100 Mo wow. film is what it's like 50 years thanks disney yeah Fuck oh yeah disney. it's literally because of them like we'll get into that another time <laughs> yeah what's the next song Justine? yeah <laughs> the next song on our list and i know Murr's gonna like this one we have fashion zombies by the aquabats all right 
free face before this. <laughs> On a prior music episode, yes. I said Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds was fucking pretentious and they suck. And I 100% still believe that. <laughs> but the fact is the Aquabats will 100% always be a better band to me because they fight fucking monsters on stage. It's true. Hell yeah. They Fuck have you. they have an entire like theatrical side to their music that you can witness live, which is what makes them so appealing to people. Right. Now, <laughs> let's take a quick listen to one was released in 2005 on their album charge yeah. two exclamation points this is probably the one that most of us will probably know or most people around our age will know because mm-hmm. they became popular in the 90s like like 94 is about when they were created yeah and they're like the they claim to be like a superhero band well this band <laughs> the genre it's interesting was credited as being comedy punk nice new wave, love it which i hadn't heard of comedy punk until i was researching this they originally started as a ska band in Fullerton, and there's uh, <laughs> what? they they would basically they are band geeks. All of them are band geeks, yes. and they all had this idea to just make a band, but all wear spandex suits in different colors. They went with green for the original, and then eventually they they made a little aesthetic for themselves. So like, what if we like give each, mm. give each other. Stage names. There's like Eagle Eagle Bones McFlurry. Dude, there's the uh, those the leader. His is the best. Um, the, uh, the MC Bat Commander. Yes, <laughs> that uh, is the best one. Crash McLarson. Love it. Uh, Jimmy the Robot. Nice. <laughs> like they're all great. I really have to wonder how much influence they got from bands, say like Devo. Yeah, <laughs> who yeah, are like you, all the same outfit, the hat, like that sort of uh, showmanship. So the only the only other band that I know of. That well, there's a whole there's a bunch of them, but the only one that has like that stand like the Aquabats that has like a standing like fan base over them is Guar. Yeah, actually, <laughs> and they fucking dress up too. But here's the cool thing: a while back, Guar and the Aquabats played a concert together. Holy! Mm. And at one point, they shared the stage and would like trade off playing songs and would like fight each other. Yeah. And I was like, this is the best thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would have I've loved ever, to see I've that. never, I've, I didn't know I wanted this. <laughs> so this band like started in the nineties, like John said, and uh, Travis Barker was one of the original drummers for the band. Wild. Well. What Yo. the fuck? <laughs> uh, he was the, the Baron Von Tito uh, was his name. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, but they basically, there's so many live footage of, of them playing in like the quad of their college or like yeah. the arena of their college and everyone's just having a blast. So then they, they took inspiration from 1950s horror films and they made like on their debut album, they have the cat with two heads yeah. where it's about an evil scientist that like basically morphs two cats there's together. A story. <laughs> there's a story. There's an overarching yeah. story. Like it's all about fighting evil and then like dealing with mad scientists and people who are trying to take over the world. So who do you call? You call the Aquabats, like yeah. the best superheroes ever. It's probably the most underrated thing to do for music is to make a whole story for your albums. I think the only other one I can think of is uh, I think Coheed and Cambria made like a comic book Ooh, along there, with their stuff. There's a lot of bands who have done that, like even even Guar's done sort yeah. of like, like where they're it's have, cool. Yeah, I Rush think it's done a cool thing to too. do. 
fucking the fucking, concept record. Yeah, yes. yeah the concept. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm down for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, this this song in particular is one of their more bigger hits, uh, "Fashion Zombies," because it's really upbeat. They use the harpsichord or like the uh, that's cool. Um, kind of uh, keyboards. They got the really catchy whoa. <laughs> um, and you got that really iconic guitar that hits every time the chorus is about mm-hmm. to come in. It's very quirky. Yeah. Very it's really quirky. And the lyrics are fun as fuck. Yeah. So something I loved about this song is in the bridge, they actually do a little parody of Michael Jackson's Thriller. Oh, my God. You had mentioned you wanted Mitch to read this out with his yeah. fucking voices. Yeah. We, we need to pull up the lyrics for that. <laughs> I actually have the lyrics up right now if oh Mitch my wants gosh. to give oh, us yeah, a the, spontaneous the, 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 Something this is with blood darkness falls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I will, I will do it. So just, just like in Aquabats fashion, they're bringing back all their influences and their music. And this is like 2005, so this is like midpoint for them in their career. I also know that they also had a kid show on Nickelodeon called the Aquabats Super Show, which I watched religiously when it came out. I watched out. it a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like some Power Rangers shit. It really is. <laughs> I love the idea. So their uh, costuming reminds me a lot of the early Batman days. Yeah. Of when you when you had them like showing up in spandex <laughs> and just like beating up people like with the 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 onomatopoeia showing up where it's like pow and like you'd see things happening like that. So that's what it reminds me of. Are you ready, Mitch? Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to accessorize their black zipper hood. And monster children with monster faces are looking for love in all the wrong places. You got to do the cackle. (laughs) (laughs) So... This song is great because it's like they're they're talking about zombies, but it's not the undead that are coming back. It's the fashion of old eras coming out of yeah. the ground. <laughs> mm-hmm. This like, one specifically is satirizing sort of the goth emo subculture fashion going on. In the music video, you got like punks, you got like new wave people with the swooshy haircuts. You got peppies, you got hipsters. Oh yeah, you have it all, and it's just all made fun of for I, enjoyment. Did Travis Barker leave because he went to another band? Yeah, that's that 183 band or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. Did he leave the Aquabats yeah, for Doink, Doink 143? Blink yeah. I don't know, man. Seems like a bad move. Seems <laughs> <laughs> like a bad... Ba- bad music, 147. Yeah. Uh, we're from San Diego, but fuck Blink 182. God uh, damn. Yeah. I, probably be, it's probably because we got so saturated in how much it gets played everywhere that we go. Yeah, if I see Tom DeLonge, it's on site. <laughs> About Blink 182... The only thing I remember about them, other than like maybe a couple songs, is that there is a weird like voice clip of them talking about jerking off in the shower or something oh, yeah. because they would do stuff like that on all their ever like having them talk about dumb shit all the they, time. They they were a very cursed band because they would always just like have these interludes where they're just talking about you know coming and shit and all stupid stuff like that, and uh, it's just immature pop punk. I mean, it doesn't hold up because god damn, it's awful. It does not. But you know what does hold up? <laughs> fucking Aquabats, man. Go go check out Charge and go yeah. check out their second fucking album, The Fury of the Aquabats. Dude, dude, dude. whoa, is never going to get old. They yeah. are... Any band that does that is never going to They're get still old. making music, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think they just released something. They're going uh, to... Yeah, yeah. There was like a new one that just came out not that yeah. long ago. I remember seeing it. I was like, oh, shit. Also, if you want to have a good, easy costume idea, they just sell that shit. They really do. 
and can't I've, you just go to the website and like yeah. buy it from yeah <laughs> get the belt buckle get the the yeah, goggles yeah get your fake All black right. tube podcast dress up next year Here we hey. go. <laughs> i'm down but we have to give ourselves like aquabat yeah style you gotta names, come up though. with a name we'll come up with nicknames what would your name be this is hard. Uh, this is on the spot. The uh, Mc, uh, it'd be like the McFlurry, but it'd be like the McMurray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, right. yeah, check well, it out. Like it. Let's move on to the next song. This one is My Girlfriend is a Witch by October Country. <laughs> this song was released in 1968. Let's give it a minute. So October Country is a folk rock, psychedelic <laughs> rock band that was formed in Los Angeles. Dope. And they got their start actually playing at a lot of dances and parties and then found moderate success through the L.A. club scene. All right. But this song was brought to my attention, like we mentioned the last episode, through TikTok. This song sort of started blowing <laughs> up a few months ago. And again, it's just really interesting how social media has played in the resurgence of a lot of older songs that maybe didn't get the recognition they deserved at the time. Because this song... This is a hit. This song is great. That shit's catchy as fuck. Has that real 60s vibe going for it. <laughs> yeah, Very yeah. Scooby-Doo. Uh, I love the album art on this. They're literally just standing in like a field of grass. Yeah, this is from their first <laughs> self-titled album. And this song was probably like the biggest song they ever actually released. Mm. At least the most notable one. Yeah. But something that's interesting is I feel like all of the good sort of festive holiday music came out of the 60s i was talking about this earlier with christmas oh, christmas music it's all the christmas songs that we know and love most of them were written around the 60s times and then again with a lot of halloween music things like of course this one um what is it the the monster bash the monster, monster mash, mash. one eyed one horn flying purple people eater damn okay and this just this just brings you back to keyboards because that's when everyone was introducing analog synthesizers and all that stuff yeah and the introduction of electronics into music sort of evolved the way that we are able to play and perceive the music right so now for your halloween get up you could get a tape with halloween music and they're using real organs and real orchestral kind of pads and all that stuff it's spooky sounding and and then you have the opposite with christmas where you have bells and whistles that are very jolly and you know frolicky but the thing is the main thing is that the 60s cemented it because of that organ like you got like the doors and all that other stuff yeah who wouldn't even have a bass player because the organ could be tuned so low that they could just play the bass parts Mm -hmm. and i think organ is definitely something that comes through in a lot of horror music it's sort of like the staple of a lot of good horror soundtracks you think of like phantom of the opera or anything from the dracula movies big organ and those the organ is first really used as like the church instrument if you've ever been to a big cathedral it's probably got a giant organ at the front of the altar maybe with some pipes in it too yeah big old pipes good stuff and it just further draws in that religion is sort of like the 
point where a lot of superstitious and supernatural ideals and recognition came about, at least in the modern times, it was all usually related to the church in some way. Witches Ooh. are sort of like the blasphemers of the church, you know. That's what you get in this song. My girlfriend is a witch. Yeah, it's prior to like the the entire psychedelic movement that we were talking about slightly because I mean, that's when everyone was doing the free love thing and everyone was going crazy and just taking Well, this is around shit. the time that that was really oh, starting it is to around pick the time? up. Okay. Yeah, 68, 69 oh, 60, was sort okay. of like I didn't know the psychedelic era. Gotcha. After yeah. the summer. Okay. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't sure what year it was. So Yeah, 68 was when the gotcha. song was released. So that's pretty good. It gets it gets the feeling right. And then the thing is, with the album cover, in regards to them just being in a field, that, that makes sense for the <laughs> Right, yeah, era. suddenly it makes sense. Um, I liked what you guys were talking about, where we have a very specific era of when music was coming out in relation to either holidays. Like, like Christmas, of course, is the biggest one, right? Because we had, like, basically war and post-war era of when most of these were created by the baby boomers. So it's like, why was it so popular during that time period? And why are so many of them now not really so popular anymore? Yeah, I think it was sort of like anytime we come out of a period of strife, there's sort of this artistic revolution that happens. You think about how the Renaissance followed the Black Plague. (laughs) And then following, you know, all the war conflicts, we have this sort of music revolution, lots of art, lots of films being made. I'm still betting on the uh, resurgence of a lot of art after we are done with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I probably said this on the podcast before, but I was talking about this with some friends like recently who didn't see anything like this. But every time during a period of strife, we have a resurgence of fantasy. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Sci-fi fantasy. and fantasy. So 2001, Lord of the Rings hit. Yes. It was a huge hit. What the fuck was going on in 2001? 9-11 shit yeah, went down. Like, There's like a war going on over there. And then nowadays, like think about all the Marvel movies coming out. Like Spider-Man just dropped and we're in like still in the middle of a fucking pandemic and everything. It's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. It's almost as if like uh, bad taste uh, happens during that strife, but then good stuff happens. Fuck <laughs> yeah. well, well, Marvel. Uh, all right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Something also notable that's going on right now, which probably ties into this song becoming popular again, is sort of the resurgence of spiritualism. Yep. There's a lot of people that are starting to be called to getting back to more roots rather than following Abrahamic religions. They're looking into spiritualism, witchcraft, paganism, and other forms of sort of esoteric uh, practices and religions. A lot of those stores have legs now because of like this uprise and all these things. <laughs> yeah, your, like, your standard crystal shop. Your crystal shop. <laughs> I work at a crystal shop. Which is yeah, a <laughs> perfect job. But it's like year round, you know, people are going to be coming in because they need supplies. They need yeah. supplements mm-hmm. for that stuff. And a lot of the people I talk Consumables. to in my shop, like they've never really been into crystals or tarot cards or anything like that. Because I like to, you know, see where they're coming from, see what they're looking for. And they're always like, yeah, you know, this is like my first time in here, first time buying crystals. I just felt called to it. And I think it's really cool that that's something that's coming back. And it's also following this really like depressive period of being socially distanced and the economy basically collapsing. People are jobless. Right. I think people the... aren't able to afford anything Im- anymore. There's a lot of people quitting their jobs because they're just sick of capitalistic society. Yeah, kind of scary. We're on. We're well on a track to uh, another sort of depression era of just like where things are just going to go like get even worse, <laughs> which is surprising because mm-hmm. things are pretty bad. And but they... then on the other end of that is people. Um, well, so the, I think the hardest thing that's going to be fighting what you are expecting, which is a nice emergence of the esoteric 
kind of religions and the things right. like that is going to be a very strong push from conservatism yeah, to, and to put that down where they're like, no, we need to go back to the traditional quote unquote American dream roots. Right. And I had mentioned this in the magic episodes yeah, exactly. that we were talking about in that the thing about these religions is that they put power back into the individual and into the people. Whereas yes. before with Abrahamic religions, they were very hier hierarchical and structured and it sort of replicated our governing systems in that it's many people underneath a small group of people. But in this case of spiritualism, it's sort of dividing that power amongst each other and there's not necessarily an established hierarchy. Everyone is just as important than the other. And, you know, within smaller sects and covens, there's somewhat of a hierarchy where there's like a high priestess but you'll find in a lot of modern groups of covens is that the high priestess or high priest is oftentimes rotated out so they'll serve for a certain amount of time and then another person will have the opportunity so there is sort of an equal division of power amongst these group of people the rise of communities that are smaller and more organized and more uh respective of each other and their feelings and, uh, and whatnot mm-hmm yeah, not to mention that we now have a humongous access to music of any genre, and it is becoming more even, not quite fully even, because there's obviously the huge marketing like conglomerate of mainstream music, which will eat up most of that space. But now, like you don't have a hard time going online to find a band. Like you don't just have one or two sources of music, which at the time was like TV, radio. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So like now you're able to get online, go to find most of this music, and now people are getting very specific about the genre of music that they like. What's also great about this time in history is that people are branching out of their comfort yeah, zones to try different musics out. So before you would kind of like in the Spotify 90s. Spotify is riding that wave hard where right. they're like, yo, here's this music that you might like. And they keep showing you stuff and like keep suggesting new things and do this on a weekly basis. Like that must be expanding how much music gets listened to on there. You, you meet someone today and they, they have a vast amount of taste. And it wasn't like that before. Before it was like, oh, you're yeah. a rap kid or you like metal right. or you like electronic you're just music. just a punk kid. <laughs> yeah. So now it's kind of just like, no, nah, I like it all. True. Which is fucking awesome to see. <laughs> Except for me. I hate music. <laughs> Damn. We got our metalhead elitist. <laughs> Music's lame. Like, I only uh, want blast beats at 360 BPM and tremolo pick guitars who for 75 left minutes. Deathcore kid in here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jeez. if I was Deathcore, I'd want excessive breakdowns yeah. like the whole song is just a breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that 808 on top, baby. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. yeah. What a bunch yeah. of music nerds. <laughs> all right, all right. Now let's let's transition into the next song. Yeah, what's Woo! the next one? This transition. one's like probably one of my favorite songs this year, at least. It is Amethyst Realm by the Claypool Lennon Delirium Wild. off their album South of Reality. Wait, when did this come out? This came out in 2019. I cannot believe this came out in 2019. I also fucking love the album. <laughs> yeah, holy shit. <laughs> let's take a So the Claypool Linen Delirium is made up of four members, but probably the most notable ones are Les Claypool, who is lead singer, bassist, songwriter, and only <laughs> continuous member of the funk metal band Primus, 
And then we have Sean Ono Lennon, Yo. son of Yoko Ono and John Lennon. Wild. So we have two legendary figures, pretty much, who are it, fronting like, this band. like, could not have failed. No, With honestly. them associated. Like, they, they, this had to have been popular and people love it. Yeah. <laughs> Their um, genre is categorized as psychedelic art experimental progressive rock. Fucking pretentious gnarly. as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most pretentious shit. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> but, also see Osric Tentacles for the sub. <laughs> exactly. But it's always, it's like kind of eerie to me just how much Sean Lennon sounds like John Lennon. Yeah, like, yeah, the voice. As far as their vocals go, they have very similar ways of singing that's super recognizable. And it gives you, like you were mentioning, you thought this song was probably released a lot earlier than yeah. it actually was because it has that very, like, 60s 70s sort of groove to it going on i actually thought this song was a lot older than it was until i looked into it and i was like oh shit like this is pretty recent yeah i mean the thing is this how when you showed me this it was like oh it's les claypool and john lennon's son that's when i said oh john lennon's son is making music and then you're like oh there's a whole album and then i feel everyone when this album came out was like john lennon's son dropped an album with Les Claypool, like they all have that that like singularity moment where they're like, we gotta check this out, and then the cockroach on the album just makes me so happy. Yeah, this you, whole album is a trip, honestly. Like, go listen to it if you haven't listened to it yet. Les Claypool, we gotta talk about that guy. He's a crazy motherfucker, <laughs> super fucking weird, really uh, unexceptionally talented bassist. Um, but the thing is, like, I'm not really a big Primus fan, which like shocks a lot of people. I just I think he's talented. It's just not the music for me. But I know you like Primus <laughs> a lot, Mitch. I like some Primus. Oh, okay. Never Pri- mind. Even Primus gets like Primus is one of those things that is weird, and that's a good thing and also a bad thing, <laughs> but also a great thing, but also a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to bring up the lyrical content of this song because yeah, you like shocked okay. all of us. So I went kind of on a rabbit hole looking into this song because the lyrics are very interesting. Basically, it's describing. Um, a man who's freaking out because he lost his girl to a ghost. And I was like, <laughs> how do you come up with something like this? Turns out this was an actual interview on a BBC channel. This took place in 17, uh, 2017. And a woman named Amethyst Realm claimed that she had been fucking ghost, basically. And she actually got dumped by her fiancé of 10 years because she was so attached to the sexual experiences she was having with this ghost. Um, There's a specific line where he says something along the lines of, um, I see a shadow in the window. And I guess that actually did happen one night her fiancé was coming home and saw the shadow of a man in the window, but there was no one there when he got in. Um, This woman went on to claim that she's had over 15 spirit lovers. And will never go back to human lovers ever again after the sexual experiences <laughs> she's had with them. What? I have a theory that this woman has been involved with, with like incubuses. Because that's the only thing I could think of that would really represent what this is. Because, you know, we've heard of ghost fucking as far as Scream goes. But... Or the movie Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <Woo. laughs> oh, man. Thank you, Patrick Swayze. Thank you very much. <laughs> But typically, the spirits that are known to be sort of these sexual parasite entities are incubuses and succubuses. So just a little something interesting. And then there is this line where he says, uh, I'll see you in hell, amethyst realm. So also further implying that she's been fucking with some 
dark entities. Damn, he's really like, I'll see you when I get there. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Fuck. But Holy like shit. this this concept is wild. And it's really interesting that they chose this as a topic. But this this song is it's a journey. It's actually a really great song. It makes me want to look up the story and see like <laughs> how, how she is in interviews. Yeah, she seems like a completely coherent, like just normal person. Like she doesn't seem like she's crazy or out of her mind. Very polite, well spoken. Man, I just want to see her do a comedy show. You ever had ghost cock? And then just everyone's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, oh, this this music is super trippy. And it's just like one of those things where if you didn't pay attention to the lyrics and you were just tripping balls, you'd just be like, yeah, I'm vibing right yeah, now. Yeah, this has got to be one of those albums where you can just listen all the way through <laughs> and like enjoy that trip. Song goes into other song, you know, yeah. just flows like one whole thing. <laughs> Good harmonies, good melodies, mm-hmm. catchy stuff. Yes. Hell. You yeah. know, no, no. See, vocal harmonies are something that's kind of not as prevalent nowadays either. So Fair. when you hear stuff like that happen, it's really cool. Especially uh, prog prog rock stuff's always gonna be like <laughs> out there, out there. I don't Way think I've heard that much there. bad prog rock either, though. Because if you're going to make it, you, Fair. Might, you usually probably know what you're doing already. <laughs> you made a choice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still uh, I'm picturing the, the Venture Brothers scene where uh, he gets his son. He's like, hey, man, if you want to be a good scientist, you got to listen to this. And he like hands him a whole record of prog rock records. And he's like, Dad, what about this one with the weird face on it? He's like, no, it's too it's too early for you to go in the court of the Crimson King. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm so glad you said it because I was like, this is immediately making me think of King Crimson. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like like that that whole like, fucking thing. No, if you if you listen to that album, you become an evil mad scientist. <laughs> so funny. I love that there's even pop culture references for this stuff like this. <laughs> Robert Robert Fripp's the goat. Uh, yeah. All right, well, I feel like this is a good time to get into our last song here. Yeah. This one is a recent release. It came out in 2021, To the Hellfire by Lorna Shore. Now, this one was, as soon as it came out, it started blowing the fuck up. But let's take a listen so we get an idea. That last like minute of the song in particular is something that's been blowing up. And I'll bring it back again to the TikTok because I saw this up everywhere. Everyone wanted to review People's this song. People's reaction. Everyone wanted to do was. a cover of that part yeah. in particular because the vocals are just fucking nuts. Those are like the gnarliest vocal pig squeal I've heard in music, I think, in in my time i know for a fact that we have people who listen who do not know what that is in music so you're gonna have to explain what exactly is a pig squeal in music uh a pig squeal is basically basically you know 
changing your voice with harsh growling vocals to replicate a pig. Oh, and uh, I guess that's the only way to say it. I mean, if I wish I could have someone do a demonstration. <laughs> hey, Mitch, how are your vocals here? Oh, oh Mitch God. doesn't pick How's squeal, your chords? But I know someone who does. <laughs> <laughs> we are all turning to look at the oh, live man. studio audience hey, that's baby. super funny this is real do it you want to try to do you want to try it i can't do pig squeals hello i'm noah <laughs> gentlest voice before before going into the scream this is not yeah this is not what this is so unscripted i'm so sorry yeah. Just, if it's bad, I'll just cut it out. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> that was that was creepy. <laughs> I, I, I I wish I could do like a demonstration that 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 was that was fine. That but that's not. But a pig squeal is like a high pitched thing that. Yeah, they, see oh. that's that's closer. That's closer because I, mean, I can't even do it right. Oh. I can't. No, I can't. Do okay, that. this is the pig squeal hours oh, bringing man. down the yeah, grindhouse. Um, so yeah, I could see that part getting big because it's fucking disgusting. Yeah, and the the vocalist Will Ramos, he's a recent addition to the band. I'm not sure if he recorded any music with them prior, but I know this was sort of the song that put him on the map as far as the group goes. Oh shit. Uh, this song wow. was actually named uh, Loudwire's Song of the Year for 2021. Like, it was a unanimous vote, pretty much, which is understandable. But before we go on, I just wanted to get into a little bit more of the lyrical content of this song, in case it was a little hard to catch the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to read this little last part. Uh, Release your grip and face the tide, accepting this damnation. Relinquish flesh temptation of the body and soul. The ebb and the flow, nothing confessed, put me to rest. Azrael, guiding me beyond the veil. Habitual, free me from this mortal shell. Enter into the darkest night. I will sink where I lie. Through the sands of time, through the angel's eye. My final breath, swallowed by the womb of death. Sink while you bathe in hallucination. Jeez. Hard. It's just about dying with your loved one. Yeah, I, I looked much. into a little bit about the um, cultural backstory of Azrael. Azrael is noted as being one of the angels of heaven that specifically was known as the angel of death that separates souls from their bodies. Shit. This song's about dying. Yeah. Yeah. And like there was, there was a lyric in there that was just like super esoteric, just like feeling the psychedelic. Uh, I, I could only describe as DMT before you're fucking falling into death. You know, I was looking into some videos recently of people who have like died and come back and what they feel. And a lot of them feel like they're overcome by a wave of euphoria as they die. And they've said specifically that dying is pleasurable, but surviving is the hard part. Ooh, shit. Jeez. This this song is, is crazy, but um, I wanted to bring up uh, the vocalist Will Ramos was in two other bands prior. Uh, they're called the monument of memory and awakened providence they are also in a new band called brand of sacrifice which is a fucking berserk uh reference <laughs> um, as far Yo. as lorna show lorna shore goes has he recorded anything with them prior to this uh release no this is the first instance of them being on a release for the band lorna shore um they and had, they've gone through a few vocalists yeah they had a Another vocalist. I'm trying to remember the name of it. I gotta look that up real quick. I'm so unprepared. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's a uh, C.J. McCreary is one of them. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure this is the guy that got accused of multiple sex sexual mix, misconducts. So he's no longer in the band. Uh, they had to drop him after all these allegations that came forward. He was the second vocalist. And after, uh, before that was the original vocalist, Tom Barber, who was a phenomenal role in this, but recently joined the, the deathcore band, Chelsea grin, which I stand <laughs> heavily. <laughs> um, it, it's really cool to see how deathcore has progressed because it used to be all about um, just really bad guitar tones, just breakdowns and um, just really high pitched vocals and lyrics about it's honestly the lyrical content of deathcore in the older days was awful. It was just about fucking girls or like basically saying that they're, they're cheaters and they're bad people and like calling them whores and shit. Now we're at a point where deathcore has progressed. They're adding more blast beats. They're adding more death metal influence. And the lyrical content has changed. It's becoming more dark, more about death, what it means to be living. Mm -hmm. I mean, dealing with human connections rather than more physical means of, oh, she cheated on me. I'm going to make a hate song about that. Yeah, and their content is definitely more along the lines of the esoteric as well as we were talking before was sort of this revival of spiritualism that's been happening the last few years right uh, old deathcore the riffs stand up but the lyrics are, are god shit awful because it's just a guy complaining about his girlfriend mm -hmm. now it's more like oh man i'm complaining about being human right or i'm dealing with my 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 life you know and something that was interesting about this song in particular is in an interview of will ramos he was talking about how he wanted to go sort of a different direction with deathcore and that Deathcore originally is very like raw and very gritty sounding, but in this case, he wanted to bring in sort of the more melodic, symphonic aspects into the song, which is definitely notable in the first couple minutes of it. They're, the blast beats hit. They're very black metal influenced, as well as they add synthesizers, which are very like they're angelic chords that that layer this song. And they used to use uh, keyboards back in the day, but um, it's more of a like John was saying in the previous episode. With in regards to cinematic uh, movies, it's more of a soundscape that's coming through rather than just leads. So it's it's uh, really cool to see the evolution of a genre within ten years because it's really has been about ten years, fifteen if you count the MySpace era with uh, Job for a Cowboy. Shout out to those goats <laughs> and Suicide Silence. <laughs> Technically, two thousand three was the year Deathcore started. So oh mm -hmm. shit, uh, they've been around for a while. I didn't know that. Uh, also, for the people who don't know what deathcore is, it's a mix of death metal along with hardcore and metalcore, which basically means death metal with breakdowns. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know what a breakdown is, go look it up on the internet. Yeah. And let me tell you, this song has Break breakdowns. <laughs> this is, yeah, like half the song is breakdowns. <laughs> yeah. Did you mean the whole song? <laughs> Just a constant punch in the face. Holy shit. What's great about breakdowns is uh, you always find... Uh, percussionists and instrumentalists trying to get the timing right so what they could air drum with it or they could play it so this one has like near the end of the song it's just pummeling and pummeling and like it's not on time they change the time signatures for it all the time and this is pretty fucking brutal straight through to the end like it's hit after hit after hit especially in that last like minute minute and a half Ooh. oh yeah shout out to the one and true goat the 808 <laughs> <laughs> the big ass bass boom that makes you feel your stomach curl nice that like it just hits you and everything god that's always my favorite thing about going to a live show and they're doing the sound check before shout out to roland oh thank you continue 
<laughs> that was it. Huh? That was it. I'm sorry. I, I totally missed no, it's that. Cool. It's cool. It's cool. I'm awful. <laughs> Selma, San Diego. I heard Roland from the audience, and it's the Roland TR-808 drum machine. <laughs> that is what the what you're referencing. The sole reason. <laughs> yeah we gotta give you guys some help so (laughs) uh i think this band is doing like some really cool stuff i'm gonna i'm pretty sure they're about to go on tour in this next upcoming year and you know i'm really looking forward to that because i was talking about this with my friend recently is i feel like there haven't really been any hits within the alternative scene that have really like made the charts and gained a lot of popularity now no doubt there's a lot of smaller sort of under the radar groups that are doing amazing things, but this is sort of the first time in a while that we've seen a band really escalate to this notoriety. And it's all from the internet. Yeah. It's not them playing shows, not them doing like uh, tours. Yeah. Cause almost as soon as this song came out, people on YouTube were reviewing it and going absolutely nuts. People all over social media. And then again, the TikTok, people were doing their covers of it. The reaction the video. Sound, the reaction videos, including the sounds and a lot of different content they were creating. Yeah, you want you want to you want to be the guy in your friend group that could recreate this, right? Or at least can play that part, you know, mm-hmm. just for some, some bonus points. Right. Um, well, I feel like we've sort of reached the end of uh, this episode. I wanted to mention, there's a, ba- a band that you showed me prior from japan that is deathcore as fuck you know i wanted to uh include them in this but i think i'm gonna save that for another music episode do you want to at least name drop them yeah this band is fill the void they're a deathcore industrial group from japan and let me tell you when their shit hits it fucking hits yeah that's some good stuff right there it's really (laughs) unlike anything i'd heard before yeah it is just the inclusion of the 808s, the synthesizers, the sort of electronic aspect without being too dancey, but it's brutal as fuck. Shout out Ritual Despair, too. Yeah, Ritual Despair. What's good? Go check them out. All right. Well, that is our <laughs> sixth music episode. Yo. Any favorites from this this selection? I'm going to go with the Lauren Shore one. Yeah. Damn, that, there were a lot of good ones on here, but the Lauren Shore one's pretty crazy. Like that... Uh, it's wild to me that something so crazy and uh, out there, like it's a big wall of sound. And the fact that a lot of people are gaining traction to it means that people are into heavier stuff. They want, because it's always been, we want heavier, faster, louder. And it shows that in the loudness war that's been going on with music, people still have a craving for that, even in a post pandemic world, which is cool to see. Uh, I I'm gonna stick with the Aquabats. Oh shit! <laughs> uh, to me, they just represent so much of how much fun you can have while making music, and that is their greatest appeal. Is that they don't seem to really be concerned with popularism as much as they are with their own enjoyment of creating the music and having this group of people who follow them like very religiously and like they have like a cult following. They're all very old too. And they're old. They're old at this point, like still making music and just enjoying it. And so that's always a good thing. I think in the modern day of music that is made only for money. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. Snaps. Um, What was your fave? I again have to pick two as my favorite. Definitely Amethyst Realm and to the Hellfire. Both (laughs) of them for different sort of reasons. Amethyst Realm 
it's just it's something that you can really get lost in and i love music like that that sort of takes you on a journey but in the same way to the hellfire also kind of takes me on a journey but it's it's just i don't know there's something about this song that just gets me fucking hyped Makes me want to go run a mile or some shit. Makes you want to punch someone. Dead ass. Like, this, <laughs> like, this song right here is my cardio song. <laughs> you're just going to be, we're going to play to the hellfire. And everyone's like, ooh. And you're like, I fucking did cardio this shit. Let's fucking go. This is a weightlifting song. <laughs> yeah. You're ready to spin kick and shit. That's funny. Also, side note, I was curious about the, the 808 machine. You can get a modern version of it from Guitar Center around 400 bucks. Behringer makes a clone of it that's yeah. cheaper. Yeah, so if you're in- interested in finding it, because, of course, the originals from the 80s are like thousands of dollars if you want an original one. But if you want a cool recreation, you can find a clone of it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this sounds kind of cool. I was looking it up. I was like, all right, yeah, go go yeah. find one for yourself. We stand the 808 in this podcast. <laughs> all right, I think this is about yeah, wrapped up. Yeah, we're about done. No final thoughts? Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, music is really cool. And it's definitely there's more going on. Oh, shut up! Than no. Oh, no. <laughs> no. You know what, Mar? No, I don't want to say anything now. No, yeah, I'm just not yeah. going to say anything. Yeah, just walk us out. You know, yeah. just, just who walk makes us out. music? Just walk us out. Yeah, music's dumb. Yeah. Just walk us Awful. out. Awful. Awful. Everyone knows that cultivating a garden is no, the no, best you're form stalling of art. now. <laughs> just just walk us out. <laughs> I've already uh, got my shoes on. My coat's grabs. Got my sun hat. Hey, yeah. get your get your docks on that you're going to spin kick with. Okay, thank you for listening to this episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror and media. If you'd like to support us, check out our Patreon, where for $2 a month, you can subscribe to us and recommend us horror and media to review and put in an episode. Also, check out our link tree, where we have our Teespring link, where you can get merch for us. It directly supports us, as well as gives you a really nice, comfy t-shirt that looks cute. Uh, also, check out our social medias. We have the Instagrams, the Twitters, and the Facebooks. And then... John just recently dropped a movie that they directed and wrote. Yeah, go check it out. It's called Last Rites. We have the link for it on our link tree, and the password for it is in the description. It has to be password protected because that's going to be Really good team to work with, and really cool to see uh, uh, Project Envision, as well as check out the Cybermancer record, which is a record I dropped with my homie. Actually, I dropped it with Noah, the guy that picks school on this episode. So, electronic music, dance music, yeah. a love letter to sci-fi. That will also be in the link tree following this episode. Um, I think that's it. I love you all. I'm Mitch. I'm Murph. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>